everybody, and welcome back to my podcast, Christian in Progress. My name is Samuel Perez, and just a little bit about myself, I am a former gay stripper. Yes, that's right, you heard that correctly. I left behind the homosexual lifestyle to walk with Christ. And this podcast is all about how I do it, why I do it, and to help others like me and educate those who are not like me. I want to talk, but I really want to talk about what a real life with Jesus looks like in 2023. Nothing is off limits, and I want to be as transparent as I possibly can be. Before we get started, I want to let everybody know that this podcast is completely free to listen to, and we do accept donations, and we have some awesome rewards and gifts for those who want to become patrons of the podcast. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, click on the description and you'll find the link to becoming a patron of the podcast, which means you'll be making a regular monthly commitment. And we we need more of those guys if you guys want to continue to see the podcast going. And we also have my website, SamuelAbrahamPerez.com, where you can find resources to give through PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App just one time or many multiple times. And guys, today I am so excited to introduce my friend, Ross Johnston. And he's just doing incredible things in California. I actually <clears throat> actually found him on TikTok, which was crazy. He was, I, I think, giving his testimony on the streets of California and talking about how he came um, from a, a family of two lesbians who actually had, um, I think, adopted you or no, uh, did the uh, the thing with the artificial, yeah, artificial insemination. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> exactly that. So just so crazy how someone that can come out of that family dynamic and then now is like a full-blown, incredible evangelist believer doing awesome things for God. So just welcome, bro. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Super excited to be here. I am just expecting that as we talk, that there's going to be breakthrough in healing and there's actually going to be, you know, you might, you might be watching or listening to a lot of different podcasts in your life, which is awesome. But man, Samuel and I, I, I know your heart and my heart is for people to actually receive something as they watch or as they listen. So I'm just believing that that's going to happen here in the next 20, 30 minutes. So can't wait to see what God does. Incredible, bro. I'm so excited. So I actually went and got to spend some time uh, with Ross in California. And there was multiple churches and different communities that I got to spend time with. And the one that I love spending time with the most was their community. <laughs> oh. Oh. Not to like shame other communities, but they were just like in my age range. And they were just so like, just welcoming and very just like this incredible family dynamic that I was so thankful to just have met them and gotten time to spend with them. And there was like an incredible Holy Spirit revival at the time going on because of uh, um, the revival that had been taking place. And I forgot that other state, what it was called, uh, with the colleges, college campuses. But um, just got to spend a lot of time, watch the Super Bowl in their house and got to hang out with them. And him and Joel, his partner in ministry are just incredible uh, but I want to learn a little bit about your story, Joel, because I think I think so many people have actually probably heard parts and bits on TikTok and stuff. But I want to hear like from the beginning. So tell me, like, wh- where did you grow up? Um, what was it like growing up with like two lesbian moms? Yeah, so that's my story. I mean, it literally starts from day one, right? I was born by artificial insemination. And the reason for that is my mom uh, was living a lesbian lifestyle. And so when I was born into the world, I was born with two moms and all the way from zero to 16 years old. I was actually born in Los Angeles, like in the actual city of L.A. And that's where I grew up at. You know, I never had a father. Um, The culture, media, music, my friends, that was my father. Whatever the world told me to do, that's what I did. That's what I followed. And so from zero to 16, 
had two moms. It was, you know, a lot of people ask me, was you, was it different? How did you feel? Well, you know, when you grow up with that, it's all that you know. You don't really know anything outside of that. And so me growing up in a lesbian household, all my mom's friends were a part of the LGBTQ community and still are till this day. And so my entire life, I have been around the LGBTQ community. Um, and so that's a little bit of my story. It started from day one. And that's, and then when I was 16 years old, I think this is actually a really important part. <laughs> um, a friend invited me to church and I went, and I keep in mind, I had never been to church my whole life. And if I'm being honest, and I'm sure we'll dive into this a little bit more, you know, my mom was not against church. She wasn't against me learning about Jesus. She, I mean, she supported me. I was only 16. So guess who drove me to church? <laughs> my mom. And so I remember I was 16, went to church and I felt the presence of Jesus for the first time in my life. And I remember in that moment, just going like, what else would I ever turn to? Nothing in this world compares to the presence of Jesus, his tangible manifest presence. And so I got saved at 16 years old. And here I am 12 years later. Once again, I know we'll dive more into the story, but that's how it kind of started for me. That's so crazy, man. You know, there's this big uproar nowadays, especially for Christians, like almost versus the LGBTQ community. And a lot of it comes from just, you know, the protection of children. And um, what was your experience like growing up, seeing the LGBTQ community with your mom? Um, and what did you feel like that was like, um, like dangerous for you or harming for you? Or did it feel like pure darkness or evil? Like what was your personal experience? Yeah. Well, you know, Sam, we're going to we're going to dive right into the deep end here. We're going to go for this. So everybody buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> a few points I want to make. Number one is I believe the LGBTQ community now is much different than it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. Um, here's what I mean by that. Like my mom, like even till this day, my mom is actually still living a lesbian lifestyle. She isn't like flying flags around the house. Um, she doesn't have rainbows everywhere. She's not forcing her agenda on me. She's not trying to tell me that, you know, I need to do this. I need to do that. Like my mom actually never did that. So I would say that our generation that's in this LGBTQ agenda or living that lifestyle has a much different viewpoint. And I think there's so many aspects we can go into, but I would just like to point that out that I think there's some big differences between the past generation of the LGBTQ community versus what we see right now. Um, secondly, in regards to harm and issues, well, from zero to 16, it was all I knew. So for me, there wasn't any, anything traumatic that happened, which I'm super, super grateful for. But once you become a believer in Jesus, we know that you become what? You become born again. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. And now you're able to discern not only things that are happening in the natural, but things that are happening in the spiritual. And here's the truth. We are not fighting against people, right? People are never the issue. What we're actually coming up against are spiritual rulers and principalities in the unseen places. So you might be saying, Ross, how does that have to do with the question? Well, when I got saved, all of a sudden, it's like this whole new world was opened. My eyes were open to this whole new world called the spiritual realm. And so now when I look back on it, was my mom trying to cause pain? Absolutely not. Was were, were her friends trying to come against me? Absolutely not. But when you don't follow the design of God, you can't walk in the blessing of God. And so now as I look back upon it, there's certain things that crept into my heart and crept into my mind, not because my mom was a bad mom or not because my mom didn't care about me, because when you're not submitted and surrendered to Jesus, there is a real God, but there's also a real devil. And when there's nothing to restrain the devil, he has free access to your mind, your heart, and your life. So what was your mom's relationship 
with Christianity? Did she grow up Catholic or, you know, did she teach you at all about religion or it was just like zero to a hundred? Like you had never heard of Jesus before. Did you have an idea of that? Like what was Christmas like for you? <laughs> Tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. These are such great questions. I love it. So my mom actually was raised in the church. And so we're about to, we're, like I said, guys, we're really diving in here because I believe there's just power here. Um, and I remember growing up, my mom had a talk with me where she sat me down and she told me how she ended up becoming a lesbian. And this story, once again, is so unique. And she said, I don't remember the exact age or the exact uh, details, but at some point in high school, she was actually dating guys. And then at some point, a girl actually tried hitting on my mom. My mom said no. But then after that point, she began to live a lesbian lifestyle. And so right there, it's so abundantly clear that we all hear voices. This, I know this sounds crazy. Tom White said this. We all hear voices, but which voice are you going to empower? And so I believe in that moment, though my mom may or may not have known it, she empowered the voice of the enemy, the liar, the one who deceives and accuses. And so that's how my mom kind of transitioned from being raised in the church to turning into a lesbian lifestyle. Now, not only that, there's some other factors involved. I know my grandma, my mom's mom, um, she was a, she, towards the end of her life, she was actually really involved in the church. Um, one thing that I don't know is I don't know where my mom was at personally with the Lord, because that's obviously a big factor into every single person's life. But those are some of the details that I know they kind of turn into what I now know as my mom, you know, transitioning into living um, in the lesbian lifestyle. Wow. Yeah. You know, that's, that's very interesting because what you said about listening to certain voices, it was kind of the same thing for me. Um, I've told my coming out story a bunch of times is it's in my testimony video, but there is a definitive moment. I remember, um, uh, when I was in eighth grade, I was in the shower and, and I, it was like a question was brought to my mind, which was, um, am I gay? Like, do I like men? And I, well, I kind of like leaned into that question of like, Hmm, you know, like I do, uh, really like spending time with my best friend who was a male at the time. I was like, maybe I'm gay. I don't really seem to have the same type of feelings for women or attractions to women. Maybe I'm gay. And I remember thinking that, like saying that in my mind and then feeling that like out loud. And, like I literally was like, I gay. <laughs> like, um, and, and just feeling like the empowerment behind whatever voice that was in my mind that even crept in. Before that, it was just like um, complete denial. Like it was like, no, I don't think that about myself. Like I'm just a little different than everybody else. Um, and it wasn't until that very moment that I kind of like let that into my life, uh, whether that was a demonic voice or, you know, um, or just, the, yeah. well, really anything outside of God's thoughts or demonic thoughts <laughs> um, outside of his spirit. Yeah. Um, but just leaning into that, I definitely, I always say, I definitely opened a door there to the enemy where he was like, oh, that's it. And where, where the enemy has a door, for sure, he's going to break that down. He's going to bust that down. He's going to make sure that he has full wow. dominion in, in the mind at that moment. So that's, that's very interesting, the dynamic. But you yourself, like, how, did you hear about Jesus like growing up? Like, um, had you visited churches with your grandma um, before being 16? Like, what did you think? Like when you were in school and people would say, oh, I'm a Christian, like, was it just like I paid no attention to it? Or did you feel like yeah. you had any type of push to God or like purpose in life? This is actually what really stirs me, I think, to the, to the life I'm living right now. I can I can say, I mean, maybe there was, but if I'm being completely honest, Sam, I can't remember one person in my entire life from zero to 16 years old who actually shared the gospel with me mm -hmm. or said anything about Jesus. Like, I, I honestly can't remember that. I, I don't remember. Um, my grandma, she actually passed away when my mom was 19, so I never had the chance to meet her because my mom had me a little 
later on. So from zero to 16, I had never been to a church service. Uh, I had never been to a summer camp. I never heard a sermon. I had never heard a worship song. I mean, I had, when we say zero grid for Jesus, I mean, I had zero grid. But once again, I wasn't against God. My, my mom, was, even to this day, she's never said anything blasphemous against God. It was just never a conversation in our household. It was never brought up. It wasn't something we talked about. It wasn't something we discussed. It was just something that wasn't there. And so it's one of those things where like, if you never hear, how will you ever know? <laughs> right? I mean, at the end of scripture, understand how will they know unless someone tells them? And how will someone tell them unless somebody is sent, you know? And so from zero to 16, I, I literally had no experience. Nobody ever shared with me. So it was it was less of a, 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 an agenda that was against God versus more just like, I never even had the opportunity. Hmm. Were there things in your adolescent life that you struggled with, like, was it sleeping around? Was there any type of like morality that your mom would teach you or, you know, or it was just like, you know, you can do the drugs, explore that, just be safe. Or, you know, if you're going to have sex, use a condom, you know, <laughs> do this kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Were there things that you struggled with personally as an as adolescent that when you learned about Jesus, you're like, oh, I got to change this in my life for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm not, I'm not trying to be that guy that says like everything is so unique, but the, almost every aspect of the story is pretty unique. So I remember the week that I got invited to church, a few days before I went to church for the first time where I gave my life to the Lord, I was actually introduced to porn. That was the mm -hmm. first time. My mom never brought it up. She, we, we never really talked about sex. It's not that, I'm sure my mom would have allowed me to do what I wanted, but at the same time, she loved me so much. And I like to make this point clear. My mom has been a phenomenal mom to me and has loved me and still does to this day. But what the point I'm trying to make here is, is when you don't, like I said earlier, when you don't have a spiritual authority in the household, things creep in because there's a real enemy. And so for me, what I struggled with is literally a few days before I would get saved and go to church and encounter the presence of Jesus for the first time, pornography entered my life. And then as soon as I get saved, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not of God. This is not his design. This is not the way he wants me to live. And so for me growing up in that in that household, what I see now is there wasn't any barriers. There wasn't anything pushed upon me, but at the same time, there wasn't any protection. And so without a barrier and without protection, you're just kind of in this middle ground of like, whatever happens, happens. And so thankfully, nothing happened until like that first, that, that week I got saved. But if something would have happened before that, man, I don't even know. I don't even know where I'd be today, honestly. <laughs> wow, that's crazy, man. Uh, and let me, let me, let me say one more thing. Let me say one more thing. This is actually yeah. crazy. I felt the Holy Spirit reminding me of this. About five months ago, I posted a video where I talked about that I was addicted to porn for nine years of my life and Jesus completely set me free. My mom called me. She saw the video and she called me almost in tears, man. Almost in tears. She was like, how, how could you get into porn? I, I protected you. You know, I didn't allow my friends in the LGBT community like push anything upon you. Isn't that crazy? Because when we think of the LGBTQ community, we think of this forceful push, which there definitely is that, of course, in our culture at large. But I'm trying to share this point that not every person in the LGBTQ community is in that same position. And I, I, it honestly shocked me when my mom called me. She was almost disheartened and she was hurt that as a mother, that was allowed into my life. And so I just want to say, I think that that's so crucial to say in this season, um, in the culture that we're living in today. Yeah, there's definitely a huge difference, like how you were saying in the beginning, of of just what the LGBTQ queer community are now versus what they were back then. 
um, huge. I had this other girl on my podcast a while back ago. She also um, had two moms growing up and um, and she was adopted uh, or no, actually, I think they did. I, I think she had a dad. I don't, I don't remember the story. It was a long time ago, but she um, she was fully living with uh, the two two lesbian moms. And um, and she said, things are so different now. She said, like, I, I grew up knowing about Jesus, not a, a bunch. Uh, her father's side um, had taught her a little bit. But she says there's a, a, a huge difference now, uh, now because back then it was like, you know, not as radical as we're really trying to push religion. It, it was more just like we just kind of just want to, like, be able to live our lives and, and you know, whatever, just in secret a little bit. But now is more so like the push of just like going out in public and like fighting not just for equality, but like past equality a little bit, where it's like they want to, they want to infiltrate a lot of the school systems. They, they, they don't want the country to be a Christian country. Most of them, um, they want things to just be past that. And so yeah. there's definitely a huge, huge difference. And, and I believe you because she had the same testimony about her parents. She's like, my parents were great. She's like, oh, I loved all my, um, my mom's friends. Like they never did anything crazy perverted. There was no you know, things that were introduced to me in the beginning. Um, but nowadays, I think I think things are just completely, completely different. What was it like, um, Ross, growing up without like that father, dad figure? Did you have one in school? Because um, I know that you really want to talk about fatherlessness and that I'm sure that impacted you in some way. That's impacted me. And a lot of what where same-sex attraction comes from, I feel like a lot of the, the root is fatherlessness, like just not having someone to look up to or even receiving that validation from another male. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I can see in my personal life, there was definitely a few men that throughout the years up until high school would almost step in for a season. I would like to say like the providence of God, you know, just providing these men who didn't even know the Lord, but there'd be different seasons of life. I can remember certain men who would be the ones who would pick me up from baseball practice, you know, take me to the batting cages or certain guys would invite me over for dinner, you know, so it's, I'm just so grateful for those people. But I think it's interesting that Right now, the, in, in the moment of history we're in, we're in one of the most fatherless generations known to man. And so I think what's so critical is Sam and I were talking about this off air is really, and this is, this is, we're specifically talking about the LGBTQ community, but you could be raised in a household with a father and a mother and still have the same fatherless wound. And so I think it's so important that we highlight this because I was actually reading some of the stats, almost every single major crime statistic in America can be traced back to the root of a lack of a father in the household or an active father in a child's life. That is incredible. That just absolutely blows me away every time I think about that stat. So in regards to the LGBTQ community, here's some good language that I like to say, and you kind of hit on this just a tiny bit, is at first it was about equality of rights. Now they're fighting for equality of roles. That's the language that the Lord has given me. Equal rights is one thing. Absolutely. I want every person on the face of the planet to have equal rights. Absolutely. But roles are a whole nother ballgame, right? Mm -hmm. And we can dive into that a little bit more later. So what I see is since I was raised in a household with two moms and there was no father, I never had a father to teach me things that only a father can really do, right? Women are amazing. Yeah. I empower women. I love women. Their role is different than a man, <laughs> just as a, a man's role is different than a woman. And so I just speak over every person listening or watching right now that if you have any wound of fatherlessness in your heart, that it would be healed. I just prophesy that right now, that if you've ever felt like you don't have value, you always feel lonely, isolated. That is not truth. 
That is a lie that typically comes from a a root of not having a father in your life. But guess what? The story actually has good news that there is a father in heaven. And when you know him, that healing begins to take place in your heart. And it's, it's, that's my personal story. And it's part of Sam's story as well. Yeah, that's so beautiful, man. That's powerful, powerful stuff. Um, I know that there, there was this book that I read one time. Uh, it was by Joyce Meyer, Beauty for Ashes. I love the book uh, where she talks about just like being introduced to the unconditional love of God and what comes from that. And um, most times in my life, like I would even speak things um, that were bad about myself. Like I'm like, oh, I'm weird. And, you know, I'm not like everybody else and this and this and that. And there's a part in the section of the book where it was like, you're not weird. Stop saying those things about yourself. Like, say you're unique, you know, change your language, change your your mind process because see yourself the way that the father in heaven sees you. And it's yeah. so true that, you know, sometimes we can't, there's nothing we can do. You know, you grow up in a household, you didn't choose to be uh, for your mom. You know, you didn't choose. I didn't choose my parents. Like we, we just end up in those situations and we can either become the victims of our lives or we can change our mindsets to become overcomers because now we are in Christ. And when we're in Christ, we have the father. And so the father yeah. provides, um, gives us that respective of, look, you're unique, you're loved, um, you're seen, um, you have that value that's attached. Um, all those things are given by the father. You're not fatherless anymore. Yeah. And then of course, that's, that's the father's heart is to produce more fathers in this generation. When you went to the church at, at 16, um, how did how did you get involved there? Did you start jumping churches? What was kind of like your church journey um, up yeah. into like doing ministry now? This is like you're like full blown have your own ministry um, yeah. in California. Like it's called Cali will be saved, right? Yeah, California will be saved. Yeah. How did you go from from just listening to a sermon at sixteen and being introduced to God to just <laughs> living? Yeah, so I'm brand. Yeah, so I'm 16. I'm in church for the first time. I feel the presence of God. I had no grief for that. You know, when you go to a church, a, a good church. <laughs> so this is how you know if you're in a good church or not. Listen up. <laughs> um, the pastor should at some point in the Sunday service say something to the effect of like, do you want to surrender your life to Jesus? And I remember I did actually make that decision in the moment. I remember going home and just kind of having this thought like, okay, God, I, I felt your presence. Like, I believe you're real, but like, I, I don't want to just... You know, I like to say like this, I don't want to just read a good book and be a good person and go to a good church. Like, God, if you're real, like I want to experience your presence. I want I want to tangibly feel you. And so I just started seeking God in my room. And I remember just in my room, just sensing the presence of God over and over day and day. And I didn't have, you know, what, what most people would say, maybe like an open heavens moment where you this crazy moment happened. You see God or you feel like I didn't have any moment like that. I just knew in my heart, like, Jesus, you're real. I believe you are the son of God, died on the cross, rose from the dead. And I just remember one of the church services, they just gave him like, a, like, hey, they just gave a, an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. And I just remember kind of, it wasn't even anything special. I was kind of like, was in my seat and I was just like, Jesus, here's my life. And so that was at 16 years old. And then right after that, it's like God was like not playing games. I remember the pastor came up to me. He's like, hey, I see leadership on your life. Keep in mind, I'd only been in church like a few months. So I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. But he's like, I see leadership on your life. So I kind of I kind of got plugged into the youth group, was serving there. Uh, but the next year, I actually graduated high school, and I left the city of the church that I was in, and I went to college about two, three hours south of that in San Diego. And so then I'm in college. I graduate college, and this is where the story gets a little interesting. But God's but God's faithful. I graduate college in 2016, and from 2016 to 2019, I got mad at God. 
I played the blame game. Why me? Why don't I have this? Yada, yada, yada. And I walked out of intimacy with God. And then in 2020, everybody's favorite year of their entire lives, <laughs> something crazy happened in March. We all know what it is. And I remember the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, if you don't stand now, you never will. And so I remember just getting on my knees. I'm crying. I'm weeping. I'm a mess. And I just say, God, I repent. I turn away from these last three years of my life. Here, here I am. Whatever you want to do, do. And then to make another long story short, that was about three years ago. God connected me with an amazing group of people here in California, and we started our ministry, California, where we saved. We've just been seeing revival, salvation, baptism, and healing break out all across the Golden State. So that's the 12-year journey in two minutes. <laughs> yeah. I would love to ask you, what were some things that you were mad uh, at God uh, about? Because, I mean, I, I've definitely, for me, I don't know, I... I, I I would like to say that I was not mad at God, uh, especially when it came to same-sex attraction, because I was like, there's so many times where I would ask God, I'd be like, God, you know, just like remove this from my life. Like, I don't understand why, why when I look at another man, I find that attractive and I don't find a woman attractive. Like, why can't I find a woman attractive? Why can't she be beautiful to me? Um, and, and I would ask him to just remove it. But I also was just like, well, you know, like, I don't know. I just like, I, I felt like, there's no point in getting mad, but it's just like, I just don't understand God. Like, I, I don't understand him, um, but I, I still love him. I just don't know how to follow him. So I had like kind of like a misunderstanding, but I know that there are people who like, they get, they get upset at God. They're like, really, really like the reason why this is happening to me is because God, and he's just like vengeful and he's like angry and he just wants to see me suffer. Uh, what were yeah. some things that you struggled with in, in that time? And how did you overcome that? Yeah, well, I'll say like this. I think before we even talk about what I struggled, almost every person that has an anger or resentment towards God, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go on a limb on here. I would say it's it's 99.999 percent of the time because of a lack of understanding, right? It's a lack of revelation. It's a lack of understanding one who God really is, or two who you really are as a son or daughter in God. Though that's what it stems from, because it's really hard to find somebody who's mad at God or angry at God, who's in their word every day, <laughs> who consistently has a, a prayer life, who's submitted to a local church, who's walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. When those, when people do these things, I'm not saying you're not saved by your works, but you're also dead without them. <laughs> so it's important to understand that if you're not walking and living your life and plugged in with people and doing the things that Jesus did in his life, it's so easy to come into misunderstanding or not having a fullness of revelation that leads to bitterness in your heart. And as soon as bitterness gets into your heart, it hardens your heart. And then you start blaming God for your issues in life. That is a word right there. I just sense the Holy Spirit on that. Like that is literally a word from God. <laughs> and so that's exactly what happened to me. I graduate college. I start working in the fitness space. I had all these ambitions to make money, build a business. But then because I wasn't, I didn't have a prayer life, I wasn't submitted to a local church, I didn't have community around me, I I, I kind of lived my best life I could when I felt God, I was on fire for him, but as soon as I didn't feel him, I'm walking in pornography, right? So you, you mix all that together and then all of a sudden what happened for me is I wasn't really making a ton of money and I was living paycheck to paycheck, I was, I was broke, I got mad because I'm like, God, if you're so good, how in the world do I not have any money when the truth was, that was not the case. I had made decisions that put me in that boat. And not only that, I didn't even have the revelation to understand. And when I don't have finances as a Christian, what do I do so that God can increase them? I didn't even know how to, I didn't even know my own 
I didn't even know the answer to my own problem. <laughs> so I blamed it on God, right? Even though he gave me the solution. So that was the main thing that really started it for me, honestly, was that I didn't have money and I was living paycheck to paycheck. And it was such a struggle financially that I just got mad at God. And I, I never said I don't believe in him, but I just said, you know what? I'm just going to pause you and I'm going to focus on making money. And then maybe when I make money, maybe then I'll, I'll add you back in. So that's kind of what happened with me. Mm. That's so interesting, the idea and the concept of money, especially it's something that a lot of males nowadays are really, really focused on. Like I think, especially in Miami, uh, whenever I meet a, a gym bro, it's always like, they're like finance bro, you know? Um, they're always talking about Bitcoin. They're always like talking about where to invest your money in. Um, they call it the grind, like on grinding, you know, got to grind every single morning, you know? And they're like trading and doing this and that. It's like they have this obsession with money, like making money, money, money. And I think it's like this money is empowering them maybe so that they can get more females. Uh, they can live that, you know, life that that is show, being shown on Snapchat and TikTok of just like the more money you have, the more women you're going to have, the more you're going to be found, you know, desirable. It's uh, the more power, authority that you can have over under other individuals. Uh, so it's funny that you you brought that up. I think like we, we both know that the love of money is the root of evil. Um, and it goes back to just like pride too, you know, like misunderstanding and pride. But what you said was powerful too as well. Because it's like, if you really are in your word and you're starting to understand God's perspective, you realize he's not wrong about a lot of different things. And he's trying to help us on our journey actually to accomplish the things that he's purposed us for. But yeah. if we're not in our word, if we're not praying, um, I mean, I, w I went to school, Bible college for this reason, because I was like, I want to know the ways of God. I don't want somebody to tell me that. I want to know it for myself. And the more that I've studied, the more I've just seen this side of God that I was never taught, that I was never, like, it, it never just, like, came to me out of revelation from just, like, listening to a sermon or so. You know, just reading yeah. the words for myself and seeing God's spirit, just his kindness, his mercy. Even in the Old Testament, a lot of people, they like to be like, oh, God's not the same from the Old Testament to the New Testament. He's like, he's exactly the same. He's so merciful. He's so loving. He's so kind. Um, he's always after those who, who are wanting him. Um, and he has the best plan for people's lives. I mean, like straight up, like Solomon was one of the richest mans to ever live. Same thing with Abraham. Like Abraham was given all this land. Um, he was able to have a father of many nations. And so there's so many different uh, parts in the Bible where it's like, you know, God bless people, like a bunch of people. And uh, and if, if what you're looking for is finances to like be like this powerful, authoritative, like really you just want to be your own God. And, and you're going to have to work like that, like a dog for the rest of your life in order to accomplish that. But unfortunately, you can not have to work. Well, actually, fortunately, you don't have to work and still be blessed by God. Um, just listening to what he wants you to do, submitting to him. And then it's going to be the perfect thing that you were created to be and do. So it's like, I wish I could like share that with some people where like, you know, their, their hearts be open to that. But uh, so many guys, their, their hearts are just not open to that. They just like want to focus on marriage and, and female. How did you feel about like dating during that time? Was that, was that a goal of yours too? Did you want to have a family? Yeah. During those three years, I wasn't even thinking about that, man. I was just like, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to try to make as much money as I can. I'm going to hang out with as many women as I can. I'm just going to pursue my, I'm going to, whatever, whatever makes me happy, whatever brings me the most pleasure, that's what I'm going to pursue. You know? So I, I literally paused all all godly desires. <laughs> like I was like, not even, that wasn't even on my radar. You know what I mean? Um, but here's the thing I want to say, this is another sign of the goodness of God. Even in those three years where I was 
literally choosing to not walk in intimacy with him. Like I literally chose that. I chose that. He still used that time to prepare me for what I'm doing now. And I did, I had no clue. I was like, oh, I pause you. You're just going to whatever. Like you're not even in this. He's so faithful and so good that even though, and this isn't a, a license to abuse grace, but the point I'm trying to make is even though I wasn't pursuing him, he still crafted and used things in me that have now allowed me to be in the position that I'm in now. That blows my mind. That is, that is called grace. That God would say, you know what, man, my son or daughter literally is mad at me, doesn't talk to me, doesn't spend time with me, isn't pursuing me, yet I still love them so much that I'm going to use this time of disobedience to still bless them so that when they come back to me, they can use what I've imparted to them for the sake of my glory. Just crazy. Yeah. You know, I, I say this all the time is that God is not, he's not afraid of our sin. And I think sometimes a lot of people think that. And it says in his word that he can use all evil for our good. And same thing. He's empowered me. Like my journey in Christianity has been so wild. I mean, I mean, before Christianity, like I was like a photographer and then I was doing acting and then I was doing fitness too. And then I went out to be a stripper. Then I was like doing, you know, hosting events and God used all those skills, the acting skills. I'm on TikTok now, so I have to be an entertainer. You know, um, the photography skills, I, I do all my video editing, all that kind of stuff. You know, the hosting skills, when I go out to speak, I'm not afraid to speak on big uh, audiences and, and, and crowds and stages uh, because I have that skill. You know, he used all those things that in my life, I was just like trying to, <laughs> trying to figure everything out. But in reality, it's like, you know, he has such a precise purpose for us that even when we try to run away, it's like he's still using a lot of our lives. And, and I think that's, yeah. that's key too. Uh, when you gave your life to Christ at 16, even though um, you may have departed for a while, um, the Lord did not depart from you, basically. And that and that's how most people feel. It's like, you know, I, I gave my life to Christ when I was in middle school or in high school. And, you know, I've just been kind of doing my own thing. You really haven't been doing your own thing. Like, you don't just give yourself to God and he doesn't finish that good work of what he's doing in you. You know, he's going to continue to, like, make sure that your direction goes in the direction of what he ultimately wants to accomplish in, in you until you turn back to him. And so when you do turn back to him, it's not wasted time. He uses all of it for your good. And then he's able to establish you even like further. So I, I love that he did that in your life, dude. So what have been, I, I really like, I'm, I'm very interested in this um, because you didn't just choose to go back into finances. Um, you really devoted your whole life. I mean, very few individuals would say that, you know, I, I want to have a heart for all of California. Um, I want to see people saved. And you said that no one really told you that before 16. So I, I can see where that passion comes from. Um, but, you know, what, what would you say to people who are also kind of feeling that calling on their life? And uh, what are some of the hardships that you've endured that you can like inspire and encourage other people who are like, I don't know, Ross, like, I don't know if I could do a Cali will be saved kind of deal. I don't know if I could be a missionary. Like, what if God sends me to Africa or, you know, like, I'm scared of people of, of rejection or betrayal. Um, how can you encourage that? And, and what has helped you to yeah. continue forward in that? Yeah, well, when it comes to ministry, there's some good language I like to say is we're all ministering to the Lord, but our expressions look different. So what I mean by that is what I'm doing, it looks completely different than what somebody else is doing. What somebody else is doing looks completely different than me. So if God gives you a desire to do something similar to what me and our team are doing, awesome, praise God. 
But if it doesn't look like anything like what we're doing, that does not mean it's not God. We are not the only way ministry operates. <laughs> you know, there's the fivefold ministry. There's nine spiritual gifts. Like there's many different expressions that the Holy Spirit will use to do the work of ministry here on the earth, to bring people into the kingdom and to honor God, right? So I just encourage you, if you're in a boat where you're like, man, I want to go in a full-time ministry, whether that's at a local church, starting a ministry, an organization, whatever it is, the best thing, I think one of the best things that you can do is you can ask God, who are my people? Who is my tribe? Because here's the truth. You can do a lot of things alone and there's seasons of your life where yeah, you need to build, you need to focus, but you need a tribe or a community of people who you actually are submitted to and do life with. Because the reality is we are called to do this in community and family. I like to say it like this, when Jesus came to the earth, he's the son of God. He could have chose to do ministry any way that he wanted to. But what did he do? He committed himself to 12 disciples and lived in community with them. And that is where his ministry, that was one of the places that his ministry flowed from. Obviously, intimacy with God first. And then number two, having healthy, solid community around you. So first question you can ask God, God, who are my people? Who is my community? What, what local church should I be submitted in? And then find a group of people to do life with. Then number two, ask God, what do I do? Does it look like something like what we're doing in California will be saved, where you're doing worship on the streets, where you're preaching the gospel, open air preaching the gospel? Does it look like that? Or maybe God has asked you to start a ministry within a local church. I don't I don't know what that is for you, but guess who does? God. <laughs> and then number three, ask him, where do I go? So you find your people, you figure out what he wants you to do, and then you find the place that he wants you to do it at. Those that's like a three that's like super practical because as much as I love revival and the prophetic and gifts of the Holy Spirit, I'm a very practical person and I don't want to just be I don't want just something just to sound good. I want to know how can I actually apply that to my life. And so I think those are three questions that you can really ask God: Who are my people? What do you want me to do? And where do you want me to go? You figure out those three answers, I guarantee you'll probably be in exactly where God wants you to be. So you're up against right now in California, probably some of the most difficult principalities unknown to man. I mean, we got Hollywood, who is the, you know, the number one uh, of, of media, of, of influence through media, thousands, hundreds, millions of dollars. Um, how I, I'm sure there have been some hardships uh, getting into ministry. What if some things that have like, you know, discouraged you while being in ministry? The reality is like, you know, a lot of people who are going to, submit themselves to Christ. They're gonna they're gonna see a lot of discouragement. Um it's almost it's almost like acting in a way. It's like you're gonna get a lot of no's before you start seeing a lot of a yes. Um yeah. what are what have been some some things that you can vividly remember of just like I was really discouraged here, but this is what encouraged me to keep going. I'm gonna share something that's gonna just break every box, but let's do it. <laughs> you know, I would say the greatest the greatest discouragement and let me let me back up before I even say this. Like Jesus, there's a story in John four with the disciple is when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, his disciples leave, they come back and they say, Jesus, like, have you, have you like eaten anything? And he's like, I have a food you don't know about. <laughs> right. And then he's like, he's like, my nourishment comes from doing the will of my father. So let me say this. There is a place to operate in ministry where it actually nourishes you. It is life giving. It's not just this give, 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 always pouring out and never receive. And as a matter of fact, that's very unhealthy and that's not how ministry should flow. The reason why I say this because, and I'm sure you've heard this, Sam, we, you probably, you'll see podcasts or clips where people talk about, all oh, ministry is so hard. It's so discouraging. It's so tough. 
Yes, there's there's things we live in. We live in a fallen world. We live life. We're humans. We have emotions. We have flesh. There's going to be challenges in anything you do in life. But that is not the poor shit. It's not discouragement is the is the number one thing. That's a side thing. That just happens to come along the journey. A majority of it is actually super life-giving. You get to walk in the calling that God has for your life. You get to meet people from all across the body of Christ. You get to see the kingdom of God become a reality here on earth like it is in heaven. So I just want to lay that foundation so it doesn't sound like we're here just being like ministry is so hard and we're just like speaking <laughs> ill against ourselves, you know. But uh, what I want to say to answer your question is I think something that can be discouraging and what has been discouraging for me is ministry will not satisfy you. It will not fulfill the deepest desires of your heart. As much as I love preaching the gospel, as much as I love doing what I do, and I'm going to continue to do it, my the only thing that satisfies me is intimacy with Jesus. And you're like, oh, that's the cheesy, corny Christian answer. Well, you know what the truth is? Sometimes the most corny answers are the most truthful statements. And so I've just found that if you're going into ministry or anything in life thinking that this is going to finally satisfy my heart, it's going to satisfy that value that I'm looking for, that that connection, that depth I'm looking for. Friend, it will never be able to do that because nothing besides Jesus is actually able to satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. That's so good, man. And that's so true. Like, I think, um, you know, it's so funny. Uh, I've had great success online uh, and, and many uh, uh, different areas of social media on YouTube. And when, when my video reached, you know, like 400,000 views all around the world, um, a lot of people might be like, wow, that's so fulfilling. You know, so many people, you made a difference. You made a change in so many people's lives, which is so true. Yes, 100%. Like, thank God. Like, I'm sure I'll receive crowns for that in heaven. <laughs> that's what I'm looking forward to, for sure. Um, but it's also just like, you still feel just like a regular person. Um, you know, Misty Edwards, she talks about this a lot. Uh, she remembers what she did the first uh, One Thing conference for IHOB. It's just a huge mega church um, in Kansas City. Well, not huge, but a uh, pretty big conference. And she says she went out there. It was like supposed to be the, the biggest thing you could do, you know, play at the One Thing conference. And she went up there and she started singing. She played. And then afterwards, she was like, that's it, God? <laughs> like, it's over? Like, that was supposed to be the, the thing that everybody idolizes, like being on stage, worshiping and making a huge difference. She's like, this is so empty. She's like, I'm, I'm, this is empty. There's nothing there. And she says the same thing that you said. You know, it's like, you got to go back to the intimacy. You got to go back to the secret place with him because it doesn't matter how many people can watch your videos. It doesn't matter how many crowds uh, you, you can get, how many people you told about Jesus. I mean, that, that doesn't matter. You, you are able to help people to enter into the kingdom of God, have formed their own relationship with the Lord. Um, but really in your personal life, how deep can you go with that satisfaction that comes from intimacy with, with Jesus? That's why I'm such a huge proponent of prayer rooms and just like worship in general, because it's like, it gives you that opportunity to just get alone with the Lord and just be like, am I your friend, God? You know, am I a friend of God? And, uh, yeah. and do I enjoy your presence? Do I enjoy just like being in your word and learning about you? And, you know, uh, something that comes very natural to me, especially, and I'm sure anybody else who loves the Lord is like how we can be his bride. And that's weird, especially for straight males. They're <laughs> like thinking of themselves as like a, a gown, a white gown, you know, the veil over the face. It's like, I'm a dude. Like, what are you talking about? I'm not a bride. But you are the bride of Christ in the way of just like when you come uh, alone with him, you, 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 he's your ultimate friend. And for me, he's like, he's my everything. You know, um, he's my father. He's my friend. He's my pastor. He's my guide. You know, he's my strong tower. He's my protector. He's my justifier. 
you know, all these things. He's my truth, truth in a world just so lost without truth. Like what is truth? So, yeah. so Sam, let me, let me, let me just say this. I think many people operate in their relationship with Jesus. They know him as Lord, but they don't know him as lover. Right. And, and, th and this is so valuable. Don't get me wrong. Jesus is our Lord. He is our Messiah. He's the lamb of God, the son of God. Oh, he, he is God, but he's also a lover. And you know, when you operate out of just seeing him as a Lord, sometimes you can't really walk in the fullness of intimacy because there's like this, this distance between like, okay, Jesus is God. I am man. <laughs> there's only so much I can do. But the truth is he's called not only our Lord, but our lover. And he wants us to come into those deep, intimate places like a lover here on the earth. For anybody watching or listening who's married, you know what I'm talking about. There's outside of your wife or husband, you can love people, but only your wife or husband will know you in the in the most intimate places of your life because of the time and the and the distance that, that you spend with them. And so I just encourage people to to and I'm that's something that I'm always challenging myself with like, Lord, I'm strong. I love, I love proclaiming the gospel and being strong and a revivalist and Jesus is Lord. Heck yeah, I'm all I'm all about the fire. But man, I want to be tender and also see Jesus as my lover and coming into those intimate, sweet places with him. So just want to encourage those listening and watching. Yeah. And that's a beautiful dynamic, especially of what we see the ultimate man, David, in the Bible, a uh, man after God's heart is that he was a warrior for sure. You know, gospel preacher, you know, we're going to take land. We're going to do this. We're going to set up kingdom, um, ultimate leader, but also a lover in the secret place where he, he, you know writes his most sensitive feelings and turns them into songs, something that's beautiful, just like, Lord, you know, help me, oh God, you know, all these yeah. beautiful things. But speaking about truth and finding truth in a culture that is just so, you know, without truth, uh, being in California, being a Miss Hollywood, I'm sure, I, I'm sure you've encountered people that their truth is just wild. They, they you know, new age people. Uh, what are we seeing? We see a lot of homeless people in, in California, schizophrenia, de demonics, you know, all these things. I've actually personally been to some of your um, events uh, to, in Cali will be saved. Where you guys go out um, in California to the beaches, uh, you, Joel, and your whole team, and you guys are playing worship music. You get some of the most strangest people just right off the street um, and you encounter them through worship. You, you do this whole service for them. And then you tell them, would you like to surrender your life to Christ? You can be baptized right now. You guys have a bap baptism pool right there where they can get baptized. Um, how do you dismantle this culture of confusion and chaos and without truth over that individual's life in the events that you guys do? And um, and how do you follow up with them afterward? Like, how does that, how do you work in your ministry aspects? Yeah. Well, I think the first statement that comes to mind is, especially here in California, or you're really in our culture in the church right now. A lot of people are all love, all love, very little to no truth. Or people are all truth, all truth, with very to no little love. And the truth is, they go hand in hand. That you you don't fully share the truth if you don't love somebody, <laughs> but you also don't fully love somebody if you're will if you're not willing to share the truth with them. And so I think that's what we're really that place we're coming to as a ministry is if I can break it down into this love and truth kind of dynamics here. The love is. We're going to go and take worship. We're going to sing songs and minister to the heart of God that host the presence of God. And when you come into those atmospheres, you can just sense there's a difference in that space. And that's the love of God being made manifest through song, being made manifest through just us ministering to him. 
but we don't just sing songs and and we don't just bring these sound equipment out, sing some songs, hopefully you feel good, you feel loved, and then we just say, have a great day, right? We also share the truth of the reality of the gospel of what Jesus has done. So there's actually preaching and proclamation of the storyline of God or the good news of the gospel. So love and truth must always go hand in hand. And so that's what we're doing. I mean, there's so much more to it, but I think that's the main component of it is that's where we're seeing God really break down what we would call hostile people or hostile thoughts or beliefs or cultures or communities is when we operate in love and truth, it actually builds relationship. And it's not just as he say, she say, right? Um, secondly, in regards to, you know, following up, if I'm being honest, we're still learning how to do that. It can be challenging, right? You have, let's say you have two, 300 people at a gathering and 20, 30 people get saved or rededicate their life to the Lord. Well, that person might be from 20 minutes away. That person might be from two hours away. So one thing that we've tried to do is on our website, we actually have a list of churches in California that we trust so we can send people there. Or number two, we have usually 10 to 20 pastors at each gathering who are part of the ministry team. And so our hopes are that these people would connect with pastors or leaders and be able to actually get plugged into a local community of people. Praise the Lord, man. I really do believe that something powerful is going to come to California again. It has happened before, and I think it will happen again. Um, yeah. When I was there, uh, I, I've gotten so many prophetic words about California. I don't know if I'll be there, maybe in the future for sure, I think, <laughs> when the uh, rent goes down. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> the, the Lord can provide. Um, but I, I do believe, you know, just, you know, Jesus revival movement that just happened uh, in the 70s. And, um, and I think God wants to do that again. And I think he's going to use people like you, people like Joel, people who are just, you know, laying their lives down to see that happen. And, and then of course the pastors and ministries who just put seeds down over time yeah. and expecting that for a long time. Um, but going back, I really am curious about this in your personal life. Uh, what is like your relationship with your mom now? What does she think about what you're doing? And, um, and do you get like a lot of hostility from LGBTQ? Um, because I know for, that's like the first thing people always ask me is like, how do LGBTQ people feel about what you're saying or preaching? And especially you being very connected, how do you feel like the feedback has been for you? Yeah. So my mom and I have a phenomenal relationship. Uh, she actually is one of my monthly financial donors. So I resigned from my job last year to, to go full time into revival and just pioneer this movement of California where we stay with our team. And my mom literally sews into our minute, my, our, my ministry once a month. Like she, every single month, she's like, she, she sews in, which is amazing. She'll text me from time to time and just say like, I see you're preaching here. Like, go get them. <laughs> you know, she, she's all in. She knows what I do. She knows I preach the gospel. She, I definitely don't shy away from truth. I mean, she knows exactly what I do. So once again, there's a way to live your life as a Christian that actually people don't feel judged or hated upon. But they actually are like, okay, I may not agree or maybe I don't fully understand, but there's actually still relational value there. You know, uh, number two, in regards to the LGBTQ community in general and in broad, for those, th let me say like this, there's actually two, two things that come to mind. Number one, when I, I went home about a month ago to be with my mom for her birthday and all her friends at the table were part of the LGBTQ community, I literally had one of them come up to me and say, hey, what? They're like, oh my gosh, like, this is your son, like you, like Ross. Like I listen to all his stuff on Facebook. I listen to all his sermons and I'm like, this is crazy right now. Like what? You know? And then that same person literally said that one of her friends 
who's a, a guy living a gay lifestyle that he was like, I'm gay, I'm atheist. When I listen to that Ross guy, like he act I actually listen. Like there's something different about him. Like that blew my mind. Like I was like, this is crazy, you know? Um, but I would also say for those who don't know me at all, don't have any personal relationship, it, it can be a little challenging sometimes because without relational value, I mean, think of it in your own life. Take away the LGBTQ for a sec. If you don't have relational value with somebody and they're saying something you don't agree with, there's just this natural thing in, in humans where there's they're hostile. Like they, they want, there's this tension there. Um, and so for me, I always like to, like I said, I'm sharing the truth and love, but I want to build relationships. So if I'm, if I'm, if I'm coming face to face with somebody who's directly opposing me, you know what I always ask them? It's the best thing ever. And they don't expect it. I go, Hey, what's your name? <laughs> because I just want to build a relationship. Like I'm not here to get my doctrine or beliefs across. You're a real person who Jesus loves and died for. They may not know that or believe that or agree with that. But my responsibility as a Christian is not to headlock them into a prayer. It's actually to represent Jesus in a way that they would actually want him, right? And so those, those are there's so many dynamics there, but that's kind of what I've seen across the board in my personal life and experience. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And I could, I could see that because that's exactly what happens to me too. I think like, so funny, I always get asked that. Um, how do gay people feel about your ministry? And I'm like, gay people are not the problem. It's usually Christians. <laughs> like I was like, there's a lot of division in Christianity and like so many people who who don't like what I do, especially because it can be very untraditional. Um, and I'm like, but gay people, they actually love me. And then not only that, but I also believe that there is like a special anointing over gay people. Um, I actually do love uh, the, the chapter in Matthew chapter 19, where it talks about being eunuchs for the Lord. And I do believe that a lot of the reason why most of those people are not even attracted to the opposite sex is because they were purely supposed to be for the Lord. Like they were supposed wow. to be for God. And and the wow. devil has perverted that purity to be like, oh, since you're not attracted to this sex, then you must be attracted to this sex. Wow. You know? and there's a lot of uh, wow. confusion when it comes to that. And that's why a lot of people that I do encounter in the LGBTQ, oh my gosh, they love God. They really do love God. They just don't like Christians. <laughs> and so they'd be like, I used yeah. to sing in the choir when I was younger and I used to yeah. feel the presence of the Lord. And they have such an anointing um, behind their words. And I'm just like, man, if only like, uh, if only sometimes Christians didn't represent just like this hateful, judgmental God that we sometimes do um, with our actions or our religion. Um, and so that's a big part of my ministry and I'm sure will, will be a big part in your ministry. Um, and, but it's encouraging just to know just how much love God actually does have for those individuals that they were set apart wholly for him. It's just the devil that has wanted to pervert that action. Um, speaking about equality of roles as well, how do you feel like, um, especially in California where there's all this uh, I, I was just listening. So I, li I act actively listen to things up from the LGBTQ community. Like I listen to drag queen pods podcast. I, I watch RuPaul sometimes from time to time just to like engage in like what is happening in that community because I'm so far away from it. I, I'm like, I can't preach on it. I, I don't have anything to relate to, but I don't know what's going on there. And they were talking about just like how horrible Florida is. <laughs> like these two drag queens, they're like, I would never move to Florida because it was like our governor, Ronda DeSantis and um, the, the, the laws and different things that are being sent, to, uh, sent, set up here in Florida, but in California, it's all about transgender. It's all about drag queens, all about protecting them. Um, and you were talking about that equality of roles. Um, what do you feel in regards to like God's heart behind the equality of roles, even outside of LGBTQ or just women in general, men, um, fathers and mothers. And how do you feel about that topic? Yeah. I mean, 
I think it's really simple. And I like to say it like this, every person in the sight of God has value and rights. Like every human being, God designed, because God designed every single person on the face of the planet. He formed them in their mother's womb. And scripture tells us they are made imago Dei in the image of God. So every person living and breathing on the planet right now, God cares about, God designed, God created, and he loves, right? So everybody has rights and value before the side of God. But our roles are different before God. And so what I mean by that is you see all throughout scripture, men do a lot, typically did way different things than women and women did different things than men. And so I am in this position as a believer where I think language is so critical when we, when we are talking to anybody in the LGBTQ community, you know, if, if somebody was to come up to you and say, Hey Sam, you're a sinner going to hell. Even if it was true, you're never going to talk to that person again because you just felt so judged and so hated upon, right? But I have a conversation with somebody and I actually have a real combo and I'm just shit, like, tell me about your story. Who are you? Like, what do you do? And then they start talking to you and you actually build this relational value. It actually allows for conversation to take place, right? So I, the, way, the way that I would say this and what the Lord is teaching me right now is we all have rights as humans, absolutely, but our roles are completely different as men and women, male and female. And so that is what I think the real battleground is. It's not necessarily rights, but it's roles that they're looking for. And so I'm just like, hey, I, this is a hill that I'll die on, right? Like, because it's the word of God. And if you don't walk in the role that God has designed for you, man, it's going to be really, really challenging. And so I'm, I'm just like, man, this is a place where I'm like, Lord, give me better language. Holy Spirit, teach me how do I express your heart on this issue so that I can be able to do it in a way that leads to relationship building and ultimately people coming to know who you are. Yeah, that's so true. Um, I want to share a story of actually one of your gatherings that I was in. We were praying and there was a lady who was a lesbian and you were praying over her and you asked me to come help you to pray over her. And I kept up with her because she had, I don't know, I think she randomly had come in from the street and, and she's like, I've been in a lesbian relationship and I don't feel like this is right anymore. I've been looking wow. for more meaning. Um, and I remember praying over her. And then she also had a daughter from, um, what, what do you call artificial insemination, who she had had with her partner. And we were praying over her daughter. Um, and then I had met her again, like, I think like four days after that and another house gathering. Um, and she was like completely transformed and, and it was so incredible and powerful. Um, I really do believe that just like the anointing that is on your life and, and the ministry that you're doing is just so powerful, um, that it's even touching, you know, people who would be like what the world would think would be totally contrary to, to you guys are coming to the, to the fulfillment of the truth in their own personal lives. Um, yeah. and you have this genuine love, which is really, really powerful because I mean, Christians without love, we've met a lot of those. We've had a lot of encounters, people with those, but you guys are not one of those. Um, even just like what you guys did for me while I was in California. I mean, I was out there alone, like no friends, no ministry connections. I went out there and I was just like, I need to meet some people. I don't know who I'm going to hang out with. Like, I don't know, um, visited a bunch of ministries, but you guys were so friendly and just like inviting me to your home, inviting me to just like, you know, worship with you guys and, and just be friends, like be genuine friends that I, I've seen that genuinely in your ministry of just yeah. the way that you guys love and want to include people. That, that is such a rare thing, like such yeah. a rare thing that we wow. forget. It's like, oh, we have these ministries and we have this power and we have this authority and, you know, we're going after this, we're going up that. And we forget about the people around us. 
Um, yeah. and, and you guys are not one of those people. Like you really do have a heart for individuals. And I can see you guys like going after that. And so guys, if you want to support, uh, Cali will be saved, like put it up on Google, you know, I'll put it down in the description down below. If you're in California and like go to one of their meetings, they go all around California, San Diego and LA, and they're doing incredible things. And like, I genuinely like believe that like, if you reach out to one of their, their leaders, like they're going to put you in communities of friendship. Um, and, and I just think that's, that's very powerful that love that you guys have and, and are willing to give out. Wow. Um, but yeah, thank you so much Ross, for just being on this yeah. podcast and for sharing yeah. your story. Here's the exclamation point to end. It's so interesting that you obviously, I don't know if you saw this, but we just got a permit for our next event to shut down Hollywood Boulevard in front of the Chinese theater. So if you're listening to this and you're in California or you want to fly out July 30th, 5 PM, we are literally going to shut down Hollywood Boulevard and do our next gathering, worship, baptisms, the gospel. So yeah, can't wait. And just Sam, thanks for having me, man. Just believe in what you're doing for the kingdom. And it's always great to come together and just give people an opportunity to see people who actually love Jesus and will represent him well. And so, yeah, just so grateful to be here today. Thank you, bro. I appreciate that a bunch. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to be praying for that because for sure, I stayed at a hotel room like <laughs> close to the Chinese theater. And it was, that's wild. Like, that area that you guys are going to be in are just it's like immense spiritual warfare i bet and so guys if you're watching this listening to this even if you're not in california like please 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 pray for ross for his leaders for cali be saved for that ministry and just pray for california in general because like i said it's, it's like a media model of the world they have such influence such power um and if that country well that country state would be saved guys it'd just be incredible i mean like the stuff that could come out of that, the stuff that could come out of Hollywood. Um, and we know that there's actors that are being saved. You know, there's the directors that are being saved, musicians that are being saved. And so I believe that's like the, the faith that that Ross carries is like we that there's going to be change that's going to happen in California. And from there, it's going to affect the entire country. So if you're like, I'm not from California, I can care less about what they're doing. Like actually it does affect you like a bunch because that's like where all the media is coming from, which affects the entire country. So uh, thank you once again, uh, Ross, for being on here. And don't forget to check out his ministry, guys. Go give him a follow on TikTok and Instagram and, and check up to what he's doing and, and just be praying for that gathering as well. But uh, thank you so much, Ross. And, and we'll catch you guys later on the next episode. Bye, everybody. Bye.